Grab your Bible and stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful Word of the Lord. Amen. Well, at least you're listening part-time anyway. We're looking at the book of Luke this morning, in the book of, of Luke chapter number 15 this morning. The book of Luke, chapter number 15 this morning. We will begin reading with verse number 11. We will read down and include verse 32 this morning. Jesus speaking here, then he said, a certain man had two sons. How many? And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my, hire, of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. The son said to him, said to him Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe. And put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatty calf. But he was angry. He would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. As soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. He said to him, Son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right 
that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Father, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. Father, I just pray today as we endeavor, Lord, to to share the message that you have laid upon our heart today. God, I pray if there are any prodigals in this room today, Lord, they will come to their senses today and they will return to the Father today. And if there are any that are like the elder brother today, God, I pray they too will repent and return to your heart today. Father, let your anointing be upon the word today. We ask in the name of Jesus. All of God's people said praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, today we continue our series I'm calling Pearls from the Parables. Jesus was the master storyteller. He would tell stories which were called parables. He would do this in order to illustrate his teaching. Today's parable is probably... My favorite parable out of all of the parables, and they're all awesome, they're all incredible in and of themselves, but, but perhaps this story, this parable that Jesus told is no doubt my very favorite parable of all. It's a story about a father and his two sons. Now, most sermons that are preached from this passage focus on the younger son who has become called the prodigal. But this story is not just about one lost son, but it is about two lost sons. In fact, that's the title of my message today, not the lost son, but the lost sons. You see, one rebelled outwardly while the other rebelled inwardly. One ran far from his father's sight while the other ran far from his father's heart. So this morning I want to take a close look at both sons and then I want us to take a look at their father. So let's get going this morning. Let's, let's begin by, by talking about the lost son. The lost son. And when you begin to, to read this story, immediately, immediately you see his restlessness. His restlessness. For whatever reason, the younger son got restless. I don't know, perhaps he grew weary of his daddy's rules. I don't know, perhaps he felt trapped. Maybe he felt limited and perhaps he wanted to try out his wings. Maybe he wanted to go places. He wanted to do things. He wanted to experiment. And he wanted to experience another way of living. He wanted to see how the rest of the world lived. And so he came to his father one day and he asked his father for his inheritance. And his father gave his younger son, his inheritance. In fact, the Bible says he gave, gave both of his sons the inheritance. It says it gave to them. Not to him, but it says it gave to them. And so a few days later, after this, after this younger son gains his inheritance, off he goes to see the world. And it's not long then that we see his rebellion. His rebellion. Verse 13 says that he journeyed to a far country. Well, of course he does. 
Because you see what this little rascal has planned for himself, he knows he cannot do anywhere near his father. What he has planned for his life and for his future, he knows he must go to a far country. He must get far, far away because he plans to party, man. I mean, he's going to live it up, man. I mean, there's going to be wine, women, and song, man. Party hardy. Let his hair down. Sow some wild oats. Throw caution to the wind. He decides he's going to ignore anything and everything that his father taught him. He's going to loosen his morals. He's going to sleep around. He's going to indulge himself in anything and everything that his flesh craves. If it feels good, do it is his new motto. And it was fun. It was fun for a while. Sin always is. No doubt in his mind he thinks, wow, this is the life. Wow, I, 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 I know I was, I, this is the life. I know I was missing out. I know my father's rules and, or I knew my father's rules and way of life were keeping me from, from a whole lot of fun. Man, this is exciting, man. This is thrilling, man. Man, this is a lot of fun. Wow, this is incredible. You see, the devil gives us just enough pleasure in sin to get us hooked. And once he gets us hooked, the pleasure turns into pressure. Because sin always becomes very, very complicated. All you have to do is ask an addict. Ask someone who has had an affair. Sin becomes very complicated. Their lives become very complicated. Oh, they become, like, they become like the juggler at the circus who tries to keep a half dozen balls up in the air all at the same time. The prodigal son's rebellion eventually ruined him. He runs out of money. He runs out of friends. He, he, he finds himself destitute. He has absolutely nothing. And, and there is no one around that is willing to help him. No one is willing to give him anything. But the story does not stop here. The third thing we find about him, and that is his return. At his lowest point, he has a flashback. And he remembers, all of a sudden, he remembers a time when things were much different for him than, than they were right now. He remembers his father. He remembers his father's house. He, he remembers his father's way of doing life. And he says to himself, my only hope for survival, oh, is if I will return home to my father. Amen. Yes. Notice three things about his return. First of all, he came back ashamed. He repents to his father, admitting his sin. Oh, oh, he says to his father, I have sinned against heaven. And father, I have sinned against you. And father, I am no longer worthy to be your son. Oh, I'm not asking to be restored as your son. But if only, if only you could just make me one of your hired servants. If only I could come back and serve you. That's all I'm asking for. No doubt this younger son left home arrogant. He returns home ashamed. Not only did he return ashamed, but he also, he came back appreciative. 
appreciative. Verse number 17, he said to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And he said, here I am perishing with hunger. See, see, like most of us, he didn't realize how good he had it until he left it. Somebody said, you don't miss the water till the well runs dry. Let me tell you this morning that sometimes the grass is greener on the other side of the fence because it's growing on top of a sewer. But the story doesn't stop here either. He came back affirmed. The prodigal says to his father, I've sinned and I've shamed you and I don't deserve to be treated like a son, so please make me one of your servants. But the father was having none of that. The father says to the servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Oh, oh, he stinks like the pigs. He's filthy. He's dirty. He's unkept. Oh, he, he, he looks like a, like a slave, but he's not a slave. He's my boy. He's been in sin, but I don't want anybody to know it. Bring the, bring the best robe in the house and put it around him. I want to cover him up. I want to cover up his shame. I don't want anybody to see him in the shape that he's in. And then bring the ring and put on his hand. Oh, oh, the family ring, the family ring. Oh, the ring that says he's my boy. He may look like a slave. Oh, oh, he may, he may not look like my son. He may not look like part of the family now. But listen, he's still my boy. And I want everybody to know he's my boy. So bring the ring and put it on his hand so everybody knows who he belongs to. He belongs to me. Give him, put the family ring on his hand. Then get some shoes for this boy's feet because only slaves go barefoot so they cannot run away. Oh, and kill the fatted calf. There's going to be music. There's going to be dancing. There's going to be joy. My son was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. We're going to have a party. My son has returned. This story is for all the lost sons that have run away from God the Father. Friend, if you will return to your heavenly Father, He will receive you and He will affirm you. All right, we talked just a little bit about the lost son. Now let's look at the legalistic son. The older son is out working in the fields. He comes near the house, and when he gets near the house, he hears music, he hears dancing, sees dancing. He summons one of the servants and inquires of him as to what in the world is going on. This is not like the father. This is out of the ordinary. What in the world is going on? The servant informs him that his little brother, his little brother has returned home. And and because his little brother has returned home, the father has thrown him a coming home party. But the response of the elder brother is much different regarding the return of his little brother than their father's response was. And I want to notice three things about this elder or legalistic Son. First thing I want us to notice is his envy. Now he might have been the oldest, but he acted like a baby. When he heard about what his father was doing for his younger brother, he pouted. 
You've never thrown a party for me, he yelled at his dad. Nobody likes me, everybody hates me, guess I'll go eat worms. Not only do we see his envy, then we see his ego. I never ran away like little brother did. I never squandered the family money on prostitutes. I never embarrassed you, Father. I never shamed your name. I've been here right beside you. I've been faithful. I've been loyal. I've been dependable. While your little spoiled bratty snotty nosed boy runs off and parties, I was right here holding things together for you. Why? I don't even think you could have made it without me, Daddy. Me, me, me. Look at me. Don't only see his envy and his ego. Then we see his exaggeration. As he says to his father, all these years, I've been serving you. And in all these years I've been serving you, I have never transgressed your commandment, not even one time. What? Liar, liar, pants on fire. What son could ever bet a thousand with his father's rules? My dad's 85. He still don't know what I did. And you know, I think, no, didn't tell him now. (laughs) Preacher's kids are the worst, you know. Because they have to hang out with the deacon's kids. That's why they're so bad. (laughs) What you talking about, Willis? Give me a break. Don't you stand there and tell your father you never disobeyed your father even one time. Now, no doubt this elder brother was a rule keeper. Legalistic was his nature. And he was oh so proud of it. You see, this story today is not just about the lost son. No, no, no. It's about the lost sons. One rebelled outwardly. His rebellion was very obvious. But the elder brother rebelled inwardly. Oh, there was much resentment. There was much anger. There was much jealousy. There was much bitterness that was going on on the inside of this elder legalistic brother. The younger son ran away from the father's sight. The elder son ran away from the father's heart. 
You see, some people love God, or some people leave God and leave His church and go out into the world and live very wicked and vile and sinful lives while others remain in the church. They don't leave the church, they stay in the church and they appear outwardly to be doing right and they seem to be outwardly having it all together. But on the inside, there's a lot of rebellion that's going on. Some leave the church and live wicked. Others remain in the church. Appear to be doing well, but they're a mess on the inside. And they pride themselves in their works. But on the inside, they are angry. And on the inside, they are bitter. And on the inside, they are jealous. And on the inside, they are resentful. Where's my party, they say to themselves. Where's my party? Everyone else seems to be blessed but me. Where's my promotion? Where's my position? Oh, oh, why don't I have a spouse? Oh, when do I get my new house? When do I get my new car? When will it be my turn to take a cruise on the love boat? When is my heavenly Father going to bless me? All these years I've served him. Where's my party? All right, we've talked a little bit about the lost son, talked a little bit about the legalistic son. Now let's talk about what the story's really all about and the hero of this story. And it's the loving father. The loving Father. Notice, first of all, his unconditional love. Unconditional love. See, both of his sons have issues. Turn to your neighbor and say, You have issues. Both of his sons had issues. They were both a mess in their own individual ways. And both of these boys broke their father's heart. The younger by his actions, the elder by his attitude. Hey, at least the prodigal did his rebelling far, far away where his father didn't have to see it. The older brother rebelled right under the nose of his father. All these years I've slaved for you. You never threw a party for me. Can you see the resentment? Can you see the bitterness and anger that just oozes out of this elder legalistic son? And you can't tell me, because I won't listen to you. You can't tell me that this was the first time hurtful words were hurled at his father by the elder, by the elder son. And yet the father extends unconditional love to both of his boys. Oh, and so it is with our heavenly father. He offers us unconditional love. 
See, see, he doesn't love us because we are so lovable. Romans 5 and 8 says that God demonstrates his love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, see, we all clean up pretty good. We put on our Sunday go to meet and dudge, you know, and, and we take our shower and we comb our hair and we dress up a little bit or whatever or get trendy or whatever your, your thing is. And, you know, you do the best that you can do, man, and you look pretty good and you look, you, you, you look all right. Amen. But God didn't love you uh, in the state that you're in today. God loved you when you were unlovable. Amen. He loved you when you were in the very depths of sin. He loved you, amen, when you were at the very lowest ebb of your life. He loved you then and He loves you now. God demonstrated His love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then Romans chapter 8 and verse 38 and 39 says, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, it didn't tell us that nothing could separate us from God. It said nothing can separate us from His love. All right? So don't go too far with that verse. It doesn't say nothing can separate you from God. Because the Bible tells you that sin separates you from God. But I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that you can do that will separate you from the love of God. I'll tell you, that's my baby girl sitting right there in the white, man. And I love her, man. I love her, and I'd do anything for her and give her just about anything she wants. Just about anything she wants. Just about anything she wants. And she's always been a sweetheart. I mean, she's always been a good girl. She's always been in church. She's always been a leader. She's always been a blessing to our home. When, when, we were, when she was growing up, she was the life of our, uh, uh, of our house. She was the sanguine of our, of our house. Uh, she had to be because Daddy was the cleric. But then when she married the sanguine, she couldn't be sanguine too because nobody would get anything done if two sanguines lived in the same house. So she had to be the other side of her, which is cleric, which is like her daddy. And I'm going to tell you, she can do a lot of things to irritate me. She can do a lot of things to make me mad, make me angry, and, and make me sad, and make me hurt. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. There's absolutely nothing that my little girl could do to ever stop me from loving her. And I'm going to tell you that, God, there's nothing that you can do this morning. It doesn't matter what it is you've done or will do that will separate you from the love of God. Because God loves you, and He always will. So get that down and understand that God Loves you and you can't separate God's love. Amen. Well, just give the Lord a shout of praise and thank Him for that this morning. God's love is an unconditional and unfathomable love. And I've already said it, but nothing we can do to earn God's love. And there's nothing we can do to stop God from loving us. And I believe that there's somebody here this morning, I don't know who you are, but somebody here this morning needs to hear this today, and that is your Heavenly Father loves you. And not only does your Heavenly Father love you, but I want to tell you that God is absolutely crazy about you. And I don't know if God has a refrigerator or not, but I believe that if God has a refrigerator, He's got your picture on, on, your picture on His refrigerator because He loves you, and He's absolutely madly in love, and He's crazy about you today. And you need to understand that. We're looking at the loving Father right now. We've talked about His unconditional love. Notice something else about, about Him. Notice His understanding heart. It's interesting to me 
neither of these two sons get chastised by their father. And they both deserve it. that interesting? Now hear me, I'm not saying that fathers shouldn't chastise or correct their sons because they should and their daughters. But there's a time to correct and there's a time to comfort. I'm going to say that again, there's a time to correct and there's a time to comfort. And most of us don't have enough wisdom to discern when it's time to correct and when it's time to comfort. You see, the prodigal had already been corrected. Life had already kicked him in the pants. I mean, he's already down. I mean, he had, he had lost everything. And he was coming home in disgrace. That was punishment enough. And the father was wise enough to understand this, and so he offered him comfort, not correction. And for the elder son, perhaps the father placed himself in his son's shoes and thought, you know, I might be a little jealous and I might feel a little unappreciated if I were in his shoes too. So the father had an understanding heart toward the elder son as well. The Bible tells us that Jesus was God. And he became man. And he became man so that he could walk in human flesh. And he did this so that God could understand how man thinks and how man feels. I learned a long time ago, don't tell someone you know how they feel if you don't. If you've, if you've had a heart attack, I can't say, I know how you feel, I haven't had one. If you've had cancer, I can't say, I know how you feel, I haven't. When you lose your mama, you lose your daddy, I don't say, I know how you feel, because I don't know how you feel, because I'm facing that in the next few years. My daddy's 85, my mama's 83. But I can't say I know how you feel because I've not been there yet. Hadn't done that. Hadn't bought the t-shirt yet. There'll be a t- there's some things that I have done. Some things I have experienced. And when it happens to somebody else, I can say I know how you feel. God didn't just sit up there on his royal throne and look down at man and say, hey, I know how you feel down there. No. God said, I want to know how they feel. And so God emptied himself of his rights and his privileges as God and put upon himself the robe of flesh and God became man and God walked in man's shoes so that when man hurts, God could say, I know how you feel. Hebrews 4 and 15 says we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses because he experienced all of our temptations, yet he did not sin. We're looking at the loving father in this parable and comparing him to our heavenly father. All right, we've talked about his unconditional love. We've talked about his understanding heart. Notice one last thing this morning. Notice his unbiased treatment. For the lost son, he provides a robe, a ring, Shoes and a celebration. For the legalistic son, he says, Son, all that I have 
is yours. See, he had already given a portion to the prodigal before he left. And so the rest is left for the elder son. Now hear me this morning. I'm not, the Bible's not teaching equal rewards here. Our rewards will be determined by our works, not our salvation. Our salvation is based on the blood of Jesus. Our salvation is based upon our faith in the grace of God. Amen? That's the only thing that saves us is our faith placed in the grace of God that God did for us what we could never, ever do for ourselves. Our rewards, though, will be based upon our actions, based upon our works, and based be, uh, upon the motives behind our works. But right here, is not, it's, this is not teaching equal rewards. Our rewards will be determined by our works. This was inheritance. This was inheritance. And our Heavenly Father offers all of us inheritance. Amen. And he offers all of us unbiased treatment. You see what God is willing to do for one, he is willing to do for all. And all of us have the right to inherit our share of God's eternal kingdom. If we could get the worship team back in place, whoever is coming, I don't know who you are today, but just come on up and get ready this morning. It varies from week to week, that's why I don't know. Our rewards will vary depending on our works and our motives behind our works. But all of us are invited to inherit our share of our Father's kingdom. All right, let's look at our takeaway this morning. Let's look at the takeaway of this message this morning. Number one, we are all rebels to some degree. You're sitting by a rebel this morning. Some are more rebel than others. Some outward, some inward. We're all rebels to some degree. Some are off in a far country. Some are sitting in this room. Some are sitting here and don't have a clue. They're a rebel. We have big brothers and big sisters sitting here today. You have no clue. You're a big brother. You're a big sister. This big brother had no idea the attitude he had. But when he opened his mouth, it just came out. Because what's on the inside comes out here. It's not in my notes, but let me just challenge you. If you wonder if you're a big brother or a big sister or not, just start listening to what comes out of your mouth. Because what is coming out of your mouth is coming from in here. That's good. And you may not be a lost son that's out in the far country in prodigal living. You might be that legalistic son or that legalistic daughter. The prodigal is, has left the father's sight. The legalistic has left the father's heart. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart is, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And who can know it? Take away today. We are all rebels to some degree. Number two, we are all in need of grace from our Heavenly Father. All of us are in need of grace from our Heavenly Father. Romans 3 and verse 23 says, All have sinned and have fallen short of God's glorious standard. We're all at different levels and all in different walks in our life with God, but I want to tell you there's not one person, including me this morning, that, have, that, that lives up to the glorious standard of God. 
And I don't care how good you are or how good you may become, you'll never live up to the glorious standard of God. That's why God became man. That's why Jesus came and did for us what we could never, ever do for ourselves. And the third takeaway today is our Father's grace is always available. It's always available. Amen. Man, when that prodigal came home, you know, he's thinking, I'm going to get a lashing. I'm going to get thrashed by dad. Or, or, you know, I'm not even, my dad's not even going to let me come home or whatever. But before he could hardly even say anything to his father, man, his father ran and grabbed him. I mean, his father is looking for him, man. I mean, no doubt in my mind, I could just see every day probably before the sun would come up in the morning, that father would go out to that road where his son left. And he would look and hoping that he could see his son. And maybe every evening before the sun would go down, the father would be out there again looking. And maybe this was one of those times when the father was out looking and sure enough this time, sure enough he saw, no, that can't be him. That don't look like him. That, oh, I don't know, but that, you know, he has his gait. He has his walk. He has his manners. Well, yeah, I, I think maybe, yes, yes, that's him. And he runs and, and, and he falls on his neck and he kisses him and he embraces him. I promise you if you're a prodigal today, the father's not standing here today with a belt to beat you with this morning. And he's not going to reject you here this morning. I'm telling you that your father is running towards you today with his arms outstretched and saying, Come home, come home, come home, come home. Return to me, return to me. I love you and I want you to come back. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed in this room this morning, all over this building. I wonder how many would lift a hand this morning as you lift a hand you are you are signifying or you are saying I'm a prodigal I'm a lost son or I'm a lost daughter I I have walked away from my heavenly father I have rejected his rules I have sinned against him and I want to return to my heavenly father and I want to be restored to my heavenly father if that's you all over this room today lift your hand up real high and let me recognize you've lifted your hand God bless you. I see some in this center section here. God bless you. How many others? Lift your hand and wave them real high, real high. It's kind of dark in here. I can't see real well. Thank you. Back on my far left. God bless you. You can put your hand down now on the far left, right in the very back. God bless you. Thank you on my far right. Actually, I think somebody's stretching back there, all right? It's okay. Someone else this morning. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Two? Are there more? Are there more prodigal sons? Are there more prodigal daughters today? I'm just going to give you 15 more seconds or so. You're a prodigal today and you want to return home. I want to see your hand lifted up really high this morning. Lift it up really high. Wave it at me this morning. All right, at least two people I know of. The second altar call this morning is you say, I've become like the elder brother. I haven't walked away from my heavenly father. I still keep his rules. But my relationship with him has become strained. I serve him out of fear or I serve him out of obligation. I've lost my joy and I I fight bitterness, I fight anger, I fight resentment. I'm like the elder legalistic brother. Can I see your hand this morning all over this room? Lift it up real high and wave it at me this morning. Thank you. God bless you. How many others this morning? Lift it up. Lift it up. Anyone else in this room today? Right. I'm not going to belabor the point this morning. I know there's more people that should respond today. That's between you 
and your God. Let's stand in his presence this morning. Everyone standing, please. There were two that lifted their hand this morning. They're prodigals, and they need to to come home. They need to come back to the Father. So I'm going to lead you in in a prayer this morning. But I don't want just them. I don't want just those two to pray. I want everyone to pray. There's no magic in this prayer. The prayer doesn't save you. What saves you, what saves you is your faith placed in the grace of God. And this prayer just helps the process, okay? So I want you to pray it, not just from your lips. I want you to pray it from your heart. And I want everyone to pray so that no one is singled out. Repeat this prayer with me this morning. Heavenly Father, I've run away. I've left you. I didn't know how good it was at your house. I didn't recognize how good it was when I was living for you. Things aren't going so well for me out here in the world. I know I'm not worthy to be your son or daughter. I would be happy just to serve you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin today. I ask you to restore me today. Today I run back to my Father. I place my faith, my trust, my confidence, my hope in my Heavenly Father and what He did for me through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you prayed that prayer this morning and, and you mean it this morning, I believe that God has heard your prayer today. I believe he's restored you. Amen. Can we give him a shout of praise in his house?